Hey guys, you're listening to Sound Scrub, a place where I get to dissect the writing, production, and recording process of a song with the artist and producer. I am your host, Lisa Denae. My name's Paul Visser, and I am the guitarist and singer from the band Black Orchid Empire. All right, and welcome back to Sound Scrub. Today, we are going to be talking about Winter Keeps Us Warm by Black Orchid Empire. Let's start with the lyrics of the song. What is the song about, and what inspired you to write it? Okay, cool. So this whole album for us is like a concept record. Um, I've always been a fan of writing about personal experiences. I think that's really, really valuable. And you always, as a songwriter, I think you need to write about things that you believe in and based on your own experience and your own viewpoint of Mm -hmm. the world. But it's, it's a weird one that kind of can take you so far. And then you start to think, well, hold on, how am I going to write a song about something unless I experience a thing to, it it kind of is only limited. Mm -hmm. And I realized that actually the world of fiction, um, and in particular, in this case, science fiction is a really good example of people using completely different narratives and different ideas to tell stories that make you think about things that are relevant to you. Even though it feels like it's from a world that's completely outside of your frame of reference, it's actually uh, cleverly sculpted to make you think about things that are relevant to you. So I kind of took that idea. So this whole album is a sci-fi concept record, <laughs> basically, um, which means every song has a different internal theme Mm -hmm. there's not it's not a concept record as in there's not one story that goes throughout the whole album um each song is like a self-contained story so i have a lyrical version of the story like a poetic version in the song and then Mm. there's also a yeah there's like a a prose version that i'm writing as a short story for each song as well oh wow we talked about this yeah (laughs) we haven't really talked about this publicly yet but there will be and i'm i'm finishing them off uh, as we speak so um, that's one thing that being isolated in a small <laughs> cube of a room is quite good for. Um, so this particular song has the idea that um, there's a captain of a ship and they're stranded. It's broken. They don't know how to fix it. They've got like a limited amount of fuel left and they're stranded in the middle of nowhere. And they have to basically make the decision to... Um, jump into hibernation and head for somewhere they think is going to be safe and send a signal ahead of them and travel for a almost unlimited amount of time and kind of have faith that they'll wake up and it'll be in a friendly place. Um, wow. So it's like a little, sh- you're right. I, this is all sounding quite deep. It's for me, it was a really interesting way of creating little pockets of narrative that could tell a story, mm-hmm. but that didn't require, um, a real life experience directly okay because i think uh, yeah <laughs> a lot of the time you end up writing about stuff and then it almost becomes mundane it's like i went to the shops now i'm gonna write a song about that right um although in the current climate that probably would be quite an interesting story <laughs> yeah <people>. um <laughs> but yeah um so I, I it's quite freeing actually to just write about something that's completely made up and obviously i'm a massive nerd so i'm inspired by loads of different sci-fi films and sci-fi authors and people like Arthur C. Clarke and Ian and Banks and Richard Morgan. Um, and this was an idea, of, it was, yeah, this kind of like deep space um, castaway kind of thing and, and having one shot. But then, uh, so that's where Winter Keeps Us Warm comes from, is the idea you get into 
the hibernation chamber and it freezes you but that enables you to live um and actually that's from a poem by um t.s Eliot, who uh wrote a poem called the wasteland and that's where um a book called consider fluvus which is by ian banks uh got his name from so i'm just basically ripping loads of different people off all at once <laughs> that's kind of the plan um but yeah so that's uh that's where the lyric comes from wow is this do you guys normally write um like science fiction type songs only on this album okay okay <laughs> um because it's like a it's a deliberate concept right. okay gotcha. um so we're doing that yeah so we're doing that for every song like yeah we're not like some kind of proggy fantasy band really although um a lot of our influences probably come from the same places mm-hmm. um but you know the last albums we've done we've done this is our third record and they've just been based on little snippets of life experience or bigger themes that can turn into um kind of narratives in themselves but I'm all, I always feel like when I'm writing a song I'm always writing a story anyway and right. this way it was yeah like I feel like we should all because I might so a bit of background the three of us are also producers we have a recording studio called the recording studio London and we work full-time normally um <laughs> producing other uh, producing other artists so I'm really familiar with the role of being a songwriter for Mm -hmm. somebody else's experience and therefore you're kind of writing a story about uh, an experience that's actually somebody else's and you're trying to make it resonate for them. Right. So I feel like co-writing songs is really valuable for people that are trying to write their own material. It's really different because I could sit there quite easily and write a song, I do it all the time, I did three last week, um, from someone else's perspective you know trying to make someone else's art you can Mm -hmm. sit there and write a whole song really quickly and you just get your idea and it goes it's a little different when you're trying to write your own music because you're it it matters to you in a way that it will never matter to anybody else and it's quite hard to have um, a definitive end and a start and really know when what you're trying to say is really what you're trying to say Mm -hmm. Um, so it's quite helpful I think to have a completely outside um, decision like let's write the songs about this specific thing because it takes away all the stuff of the hours you spend with your head in your hands going am I really being honest to myself right. as an artist yeah. am, I, am I really <laughs> def- defining my career with every word yeah and that's a mistake that a lot of people fall into because nobody ever is and nobody realizes they are when they are <laughs> like I very much doubt that Kurt Cobain sat there and thought I'm writing a classic right now he just put some gibberish right. on a page that he believed in and and or he didn't believe in but he thought it had a good ring to it mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? yeah um so i think that's a that's a valuable insight that we've all learned from working on other people's material and the other cool thing is because of having a defining uh narrative i usually came up with a general idea before we even started writing any lyrics and i say we because all three of us pitched in on this in a very different way so a lot of this was written very fast and i'd be like well this song's about androids that just realized they're androids for the first time (laughs) (laughs) and we'd and then we'd we'd spitball ideas and come up with the lyric so a lot of these we basically had like a drunken thursday night every week where we the three of us made sure we stayed late after our normal sort of session and wrote stuff for the band so not in like a rehearsal space where we're jamming riffs we'd kind of done a bit of that already but just sitting down and writing oh, here's a guitar part, here's a drum part in MIDI, I'm going to program a drum part, here's, here's a bass part. And all three of us wrote each other's parts quite a lot. So I think in the term, in this particular song, 
it's um i wrote the original riff and when i say riff i mean i think i came up with i got trying to remember this the the verse part and for guitar mm-hmm. um in into like the chorus yeah everything up to the middle eight in 40 minutes <laughs> on a on a wednesday night oh wow at like at like 5 30 in the evening when we were just finishing and uh and, and billy was there too so <clears throat> we were kind of jamming ideas and then the next day after our another full day session with a client at 6 p.m we started fleshing out the rest of the idea and we finished the whole song including all the vocals all the melodies all the lyrics every single part of it was written that night <laughs> so oh, wow. and i think we finished it like i finished at like midnight so it's the quickest winter keeps us warm is the quickest song to come together on the whole record and i think i'm right in saying it was the last one that we did maybe maybe last but one i think evergreen might be the last one and it was literally just everybody vibing you get into like a flow state when everyone goes oh that's cool mm-hmm. but try this in this other way and and everyone's pitching in ideas and it just flowed we just drank a few beers and wrote a song and it, i hate it when people make it sound easy and simple like that because it isn't because you have to spend 20 years together first to get to that state you know <laughs> almost um right right right. yeah to have that connection yeah and also all be proficient enough in knowing what your capabilities are and knowing what your other bandmates capabilities are and mm-hmm. um it, it wasn't it's not that it's an easy process but this song came together really quickly and we wrote all of the lyrics and all the ideas really fast and it ended up being um i mean i did actually re-record I did record this master vocal after that again but I think I only did that for about two or three of the songs on the album most of them are the original demo vocal that we wrote that we recorded as we were writing the lyric (laughs) so literally (laughs) we would literally throw down an idea and go that's cool for that verse let's work out the pre-chorus in a minute but because the energy was there and it just seemed to work we listened back and we were like I mean I obviously recorded loads of them afterwards um, again and then just thought it's not quite as cool it's not quite as good <laughs> so vocally and i'll tell you what this pisses off the guys so much because like uh billy especially had to like slave at the parts because we, we were he was writing parts and then had to like learn what he'd just written <laughs> this kind of stuff and it was a it was a real ordeal recording the album because it's really technically difficult on on drums and um and he had like a whole week of slaving away at it. And I was like, you know, what? I don't really think I need to re-record any of these vocals. I do like a couple. <laughs> it, if it wasn't for the fact that it was his suggestion, I think uh, I'd never have got away with it. But um, yeah, so it was, a, it was a weird process actually, right? Making this track. It was really oddly straightforward. But uh, yeah, I forget what the original question was, to be honest with you. <laughs> <I'm just laughs> no, it's okay. Rambling no, on for like hours. So many, you know, I, I like learn. No, I, you hit everything. Um, yeah, <laughs> okay. I really love the drums. So, right, right. Um, yeah, he did a really great job. And then your vocals are just fantastic. Oh, thank um, you very much. The song is extremely hooky as well. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we're all pop, oohs. we're all uh, pop songwriters. That's the thing. And so, oh, we're, okay. a, we're a heavy band and, most of our material, especially on this record, is probably is even heavier than... This isn't really a heavy song, but it's obviously like a rock song. But it's not like a metal vibe to it at all. But some right, of the right, stuff right. on the album is like progressive metal. It's really technical and quite hard. And uh, But m- melodically speaking, like we're just pop hook writers. That's what we do most of the day. So you, yeah. you're not going to you're not going to get away with it with us. <laughs> we're always going to have melodic hooks in there. Yeah. Wow. 
I love that. Yeah, it's it's um, really caught my attention. Um, super clean. You guys did a really great job. Thank um, you. And then learning that, like the lyrical content, like I mm. had no idea that it was going to go that way, but it's right? really, really awesome. <laughs> you thought it was going to be like, a, oh, I just thought about it when I was on the toilet one day or like. A... Yeah, like I thought, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had a dream. No, really? <laughs> came, came to me in a dream. Well, the thing is that the, the elephant in the room about songwriting is that normally, although everybody has a cool story afterwards for how things are written, normally what happens is some people who are, creatively compatible get in a room together and somebody has the germ of an idea and then everyone pitches in and it just grows and it becomes a cool mm-hmm. thing and someone goes ah oh, you know what would be cool like let's call this track yummy because it's interesting and it's provocative and it'll, <laughs> it'll it'll look good on like a social media post and that's the kind of the depressing nature of the pop industry is actually it's all quite contrived it's, there's very mm-hmm. it's very rare that somebody literally has this kind of muse moment where they they are struck by lightning with an idea even though actually what happens is all those people who are in that contrived environment that is what happens to them all the time and they've just trained for years how to to get into a flow state and how to how to create on demand um but realistically it's quite it's quite mechanical it's a craftsmanship thing more than it's an artistic thing a lot of the time and the art comes from the direction you're pushing your craft in um, and for us, we've always tried to push harder to develop what we're doing further. And probably along the way, some people who like the first thing we came up with aren't going to like this as much. And probably new fans who've never heard the earlier stuff would love this. And that's bound to happen. But for us, it's just really important that we're constantly trying to push whatever envelope mm-hmm. we're leaning into. And in this particular mm-hmm. case, we wanted it to be heavier than anything we'd ever done before and more technical and more challenging but at the same time, more melodic and more accessible. And I think that's, this song kind of wraps that up actually, because there's some bits of it, which are genuinely quite, I mean, the whole thing, you know, it's, it's never, it's not in four, four for very long. Um, Mm -hmm. No, the album is, (laughs) there's, there's one song, natural selection that's coming out soon that um, I think the verses are like 13, eight, it's like a bar six, bar seven. Um, And we're always writing in those kind of complex, well, not complex, Mm -hmm. but you know, uneven time signatures um, right. but we try to make it sure you never end up on an up nod so you're always able to nod in 4-4 four, four, mm. <laughs> which is how you get people going so <laughs> the um but yeah so it's it's just a question of of keeping things interesting for ourselves and then I think the knock-on effect of that is that it's interesting for other people too hopefully mm. well I want to know what mm-hmm. your favorite lyric line is mm. okay um I've got to remember them all now um <laughs> so it's actually got hardly any lyrics <laughs> in it because the, <laughs> the verse is really sparse yeah um uh but to be honest with you my favorite lyric in the whole I think I, I'm quite I'm quite pleased with the way the lyric came through in general because it's quite it does that job of being quite poetic but quite honest and tricky without really feeling a bit sort of too um aware of itself hopefully but the my favorite thing of the song is when all that goes away and you just get this big festival kind of sung Mm -hmm. because that's not a lyric at all and it's been done a million times but for me that's the most satisfying part of the whole song and we 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 um kind of like to play our songs live before we 
finalise them. And we we got to play this one um, on tour with Skank and Nancy in like some big venues. And I got, I, I did a bit of a like Freddie Mercury rip off and got this got the audience who didn't know anything about us really, um, but were like a sold out you know several thousand strong audience and got them to like I sort of taught them that line before we started playing the song. And to be honest, when the crowd started singing that line back to me in the chorus that's like one of the best moments of my career so far so Aww. that's <laughs> that's got like a really big that's so awesome uh, it was really cool it was it was most people who are like trying to be rock stars never feel like a rock star even the ones that are and that was a moment when i was like oh this is the bit that i imagined it would be like for that one kind of mm-hmm. glimpse <laughs> and the rest yeah. of the time it's the rest of the time it's like having to learn javascript <laughs> because you need to do something on the website <laughs> or like figuring out how to clean out the filter in an air processor or something it's 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 so we have a, like a running joke that we we just want to play dave's always like i just want to play the bass when he's sitting there learning how to pro- program or do a spreadsheet or order merch or because all the design work is all done by us all of the like i i drew all of the artwork and dave laid it all out and like you know what it's like diy is the only way to mm-hmm. do anything these days so that was the moment when I was like oh this is what I imagined that being in a band that was successful would be like <laughs> was that one <laughs> moment so yeah that's got a bit of a, a special moment in my heart that, that even though it's not really a lyric so I kind of cheated no worries um I want to also <laughs> know what your uh, favorite production element is in the song um okay so we self-produce we record everything ourselves and I, I mixed mm-hmm. I mixed the album um, and it was all mastered by my friend Ermin Hamidovic in Australia, who's the best. Um, my favourite production element is in the middle section of the song where it all breaks down, there's a really cool guitar effect. Um, I think I originally recorded it from a Kemper and it's like a doubled octave up and down on a guitar, so it's really cool anyway. And then I doubled it with this weird synth so there's quite a few little drops of synth on the album but they're always they always sound like guitars are always kind of disguised a little bit and then um, if you listen it's like this kind of really rapidly trembling tremoloing i'm not sure if that's a word Trem- a tremolo effect <laughs> on a synth um and it, it really it really picks that section up and it's really really cool but like 99 percent of people who listen to it aren't even going to know it's a thing So that's kind of cool. I mean, to be honest with you, though, my favorite thing on any recording is always the drums. I'm a huge mm-hmm. drum drum nerd and drum fan, even though I can't really play. And anyway, nobody in the universe can play like Billy can, so I, there's no point trying. But the, yeah. <laughs> but, but I love I love the whole process of putting the drums together and yeah. tuning them. I've learned how to tune drums to be able to record them properly. And the microphone choices and the positioning in the room and the sticks and the skins and all the things that go into them. And it's funny because people listen to an album that's finished and unless they're a producer or a mix engineer, they just enjoy the song. Um, And I'm sure it's the same for singers that realise how, you know, when you, well, it is the same because I'm I'm one of those two. Um, (laughs) When you realise how how much effort goes into a performance and then other people just kind of listen to it and go, oh, I like this song. Um, But yeah, it's, drums are like, 
the, the the whole thing for me and to be honest on a heavy record especially if you haven't got the drums right then you haven't got anything right um mm. so the drums have to be amazing and i'm so happy with my drum mix on this for the first time ever i don't think i've ever felt like that before really um it's the ongoing uh, bugbear of any mix engineer is getting their drums right <laughs> so i've uh, i'm, oh, I'm wow. pretty happy with that yeah so um yeah let's say drums but that little sync thing's cool too okay and then also the yeah. yeah um okay well any other cool tidbits about the writing process or about the song in general that you have um i don't know i mean i'm, I'm gonna um publish all the stories so i'm hoping that people oh yeah to, yeah so uh, we've got to figure that out because we've got to probably i think we might end up putting each story on its own sub page on our website so people can check it out um but uh that's i'm hoping that people will well they will have listened to the song before they get the story mm-hmm. and it'll be a cool a cool thing where you get your own in- interpretation of what the lyric is about and then reading the story will, will let you know what i thought the lyric mm-hmm. was about but i kind of love the fact that those two things might not be the same because um, because you don't normally get to you can sort of say oh this song is about love or whatever but you don't usually get the chance to tell the same exact story but in a different way um and then show people what you were trying to say because when you write a song you've got really limited framework things like rhyming schemes and timing and um the kind of flow right. of how, how the melody works really dictate what is going to work and what's not going to work and also genre specific stuff really dictates how that's going to work so when you write a write a song you've only got a few different options before it turns into a different genre or it takes on a different style or it becomes comedy and you're like it's not supposed to be comedy um whereas when you write prose as long as you're um in a you know you've picked your kind of genre and you don't move too far out of that you, you really have a lot more scope for talking about what's inside people's heads or not and choosing different perspectives so i, I think it's really interesting to me to have those that whole um juxtaposition of those two and mm. I think that's that's going to be my favorite thing is seeing how that works out. Um, but yeah, in, in terms of, I think this process was, it caught up with us as in we didn't really realize we were doing it until we were doing it and then suddenly it was done. And it just seemed like the easiest, in some ways the easiest thing we've ever done. But in other ways, like yeah. such a lot of hard work. <laughs> so, I, know, I think the biggest the biggest surprise with this song was looking back on it and realizing that we really did just do it all in like an evening, and then never right. really never really came back to it, and uh, until we recorded it for real. Um, so yeah, I guess that's that is the kind of most interesting thing about it is how how quickly it all came together. Um, but yeah, suppose, nothing really changed, right? Like you said, I could honestly you play just... you. I could play you the demo, and it sounds. Uh-huh. It sounds identical, but just not identical. As, not as well mixed, yeah. Right. <laughs> but, like uh, there are there are a few different drum parts because obviously what what Billy would program compared to what he'd actually play on in the moment might is is different, and he'll probably right. yeah he will he would always play it differently um, every time almost. But the um yeah the the meat of the song is is literally identical, so uh, it's kind of interesting. Yeah, <laughs> which is like super rare. I feel maybe. like for, <laughs> maybe it's yeah. not a good thing. We probably should have like done a few more drafts. It could have it could have come out <laughs> could have come out better. But yeah, no, it's it's super close to them. They're not all like that. A lot of them took a few more rounds of changes. But this one just seemed to be like, oh, what should we do in the middle? Uh, how about this? Yeah, that's wicked. Let's carry, carry on. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
They can follow you guys on social media and then mm-hmm. also where they can download and stream Winter Keeps Us Warm. I can indeed. Yeah, we are on Facebook as Black Orchid Empire and we're on Instagram as Black Orchid Empire and our website is blackorchidempire.com. Um, and uh, we're pushing people mainly towards Spotify. That's our biggest kind of platform, but you can find it on mm-hmm. all the DSPs. And on YouTube, because you really should go and check out, if you haven't already, the amazing video. That the our friend, video, yeah. Yeah, our friend Alina Gordienica put together for us. And she filmed, she actually filmed three videos for us at once in in the Ukraine, oh, wow. right? And um, because our brief was just ridiculous. It's like, can we make it look like a sci-fi movie, please? Um you know without a sci-fi movie budget <laughs> and she was like yeah <laughs> right. i can 100% do that so she just uh she just you know she has her crew out in the ukraine in odessa and they went and filmed it and and you got to keep an eye out for the next one that they did which is a narrative only video for a song called natural selection which is going to come out uh before the album in a few weeks um and it's got a a, a full movie prosthetic makeup alien in it like they custom made they custom made a um a silicon mask and did eight hours in makeup (laughs) it's like it's like a big budget hollywood film effect um just for us which is hilarious and um (laughs) so that's you should keep an eye for that but yeah the videos are amazing and so you need to go to youtube and check those out they're all on our label long branch records uh, channel um, and I've also been doing some playthrough content and the boys have been doing some as well, which will be released via the song. So you should check out our YouTube channel as well, which is just Black Orchid Empire. Um, uh, but yeah, and then the album itself, Semaphore, is dropping on June the 12th, 2020, which you have to specify now because so many things have been delayed to like 20, <laughs> 2021. We are, <laughs> I can categorically say that touring it will be limited <laughs> until later in this year but i don't really know what's going on at the moment it's also up in the air um at the time we're mm-hmm. talking it's there's you know we're in a wasteland right now for live music mm-hmm. so um, i'm really hoping we're going to absolutely smash it later this year and, and go into 2021 as well so live might be tricky but you can definitely go and catch us on online and all those different formats uh, but yeah june the 12th on long branch records is when semaphore is coming out Yay. Well, thank you so much for coming on my show. No problem. Um, I had so much fun learning about the song and I can't wait to yeah hear more music from you guys and see more videos too. No and then read the short story. Yeah, I got to finish writing them. So I'm going to do that. That's good. <laughs> That's the first step. <laughs> Thanks, Lisa. To download and stream the full song and learn more about the artist, please visit the description of this episode. Make sure to follow me, your host, Lisa Denae, on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter at Lisa Denae Music. Thank you for listening.